Hey, what's up, guys? It's Joel. If you guys haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Let me explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the Heat vs. the World podcast. And now, stand up. And make some noise for your host, Joel Jacob. What's up, Heat Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Heat versus the World podcast. As always, I'm your host, Joel Jacob, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. Without further delay, let's meet today's correspondents. First, we got Anthony. What's going on, y'all? And then last but not least, Christian. Hey, how's it going, Heat Nation? All right. So to start it off, we got to talk about this recent win for the Heat against the Kings as Miami finally snapped their four-game losing streak, improving their record to 48-28 and while being back to being first place in the Eastern Conference. Leading the way, you got Jimmy Butler with 27 points and three three-pointers. Yes, that's right, guys. He had three three-pointers along with seven assists and five rebounds. Bam Adebayo with 22 points and 15 rebounds, along with two steals. Tyler Hero with 20 points, four three-pointers, six assists, and five rebounds. And then last but not least, Duncan Robinson with 15 points. All of those points coming from five threes of his own. It should also be noted that we saw some changes to the rotation with Victor Oladipo and Markeith Morris not getting any minutes, along with the Heat benching Duncan and starting Max Struess instead. After everything the Heat went through this last week, what's everyone's reaction to this past game as Miami is getting closer to the start of the playoffs? Kick us off, Anthony. Well, first off, Joel, you said that Jimmy hit three threes. Like, that's a good thing. Uh I, I don't know if I like that because that probably means he's going to keep taking more and more. Even after the game, he said that his teammates are encouraging him to shoot. And I guess it's good because it at least makes the defense stretch out to him if he's attempting them. But the way his form is, the way he kicks out that one leg, it's a line drive. It's, the form is pretty disgusting. He's shooting like 19% this year. I would rather him stay away from taking five threes a game, but at least he, <laughs> at least he had a few. Uh, but as far as the rest of the game last night, I actually didn't get to watch it live because I was at my first uh, adult men's basketball league game. We got a dub. Shout out my boys on Team Blackout. But I did go home and watch the replay at night. Uh, so don't ever call me a fake Heat fan because I was watching replay Heat Kings at like 1 a.m. So, <laughs> But I had to see how the new rotation that Spolstra implemented was going to work. So obviously, I think that was kind of the big story of the game because they took care of business finally against a bad team missing their star players. Uh, the main move he did is he started Max Struess instead of Duncan Robinson. I liked the move initially just because as a starter, Max Struess was shooting 40, 
5% on 10 attempts per game, which is just unreal. That is just a, amazing numbers. And obviously, we know Duncan's confidence was kind of one of his biggest issues. So I figured maybe him coming off the bench would help him because he'd get to settle his nerves. He'd get to feel out the game a little bit, you know, from a visual perspective. And then he'll be able to come into the game more mentally prepared and, you know, not have to stress as much going against the starters on the other team. So Max Truce ended up not playing too well, but maybe it worked out for Duncan. I think he finished like five or eight from three. So he played really well. And then you saw a lot of great things from the star players, too. So it was just nice to see that they took care of business last night. Right. And how do you feel, Christian? Well, for Miami fans, I do have news for you. Three is the key. I was looking at the game, Jimmy Butler. Yeah, three of five from three. That's really good. I do agree with you that he shouldn't be taking that many threes because he's not the greatest three-point shooter. But at the same time, I was looking back at some of the Miami Heat's more notable wins in the season. So if we just flash back to when the Miami Heat beat the full-strength Phoenix Suns without Bam or Jimmy, their whole starting lineup, each one of them had made a three. Kyle Lowry went five of 10 from three. Yurtsevin, two of eight. Caleb Martin, four of uh, eight. PJ Tucker, five of 10. And then you have, uh, oh, I'm sorry, that's from the field. Either way, uh, Duncan Robinson, eight of 16 from three. The thing is, is when the Miami Heat end up playing bigger games, it's a matter of the three ball. And once the Miami Heat get that three ball going, it's a completely different game. So the fact that Jimmy was able to strike from the outside and stretch the floor, that was a really great sign for Miami. And it was just what the doctor ordered. Miami had been on a little bit of a losing skid. I mean, they lost four in a row. It wasn't pretty losses, especially to the Knicks. Um, So it was a great way for Miami to get back on track and reclaim that first seed. I also just want to highlight that Jimmy and Bam both were very efficient from the floor. Jimmy went 10 of 14, Bam went 10 of 16. And we're starting to see that Bam can take a more authoritative stance on the offensive scoring, which I think is really great for him. And then, of course, off the bench, you have Tyler Hero, who scores 25 and uh, six, like it's nothing. So it was a really great night for Miami overall and probably just what they needed to get them back on track. Right. And I'm mean, Anthony, do you have anything you want to add on to this? Well, yeah, aside from the rotation, because I know we were talking a little bit about this earlier. So I'm curious what you guys have to say about this is we didn't see any Markeith Morris minutes last night and we didn't see any Victor Oladipo minutes last night. Now, when we found out that Max Juice was starting, that obviously begged the question who was going to come off the bench. Honestly, I wasn't sure if Duncan was going to get any minutes last night. I figured maybe Spolstra might try to see the rotation without him. And then especially with Caleb Martin being out, well, then I figure, okay, you have to at least either play him or Depot. And they played Duncan. They ended up not playing Depot. They ended up not playing Morris. As far as the Morris thing, that just might be more of a matchup thing. If the other team has some more bigger guys, they'll probably go Deadman. If they're probably some more qualer, uh, smaller, switchier guys like Toronto, maybe he's more likely to lean Morris. But the Depot thing is interesting, man, because obviously the few games Depot's played this year, he hasn't looked great. Obviously, that's expected coming back, you know, from a a severe injury over a year. And we saw Gabe Vincent play last night. So as soon as Gabe Vincent was healthy, we saw him getting minutes instead of Depot. That's a question that I brought up a few pods ago. I asked the guys, I said, would you would you essentially rather play Gabe Vincent or Depot? I think I said Depot just because of reputation. But I said, if Depot could give us what Gabe Vincent's given us all year, I would take it. Because in my opinion, relative to expectations, Gabe Vincent has had a really, really solid year for us. Uh, He played okay yesterday, but whether he's hitting his shot or not, the defense will always be there. And with Depot, it's a little tough to say just because of the injury concerns. So 
I don't know if that was a permanent thing. I don't know if supposed to just try and get out, uh, but we'll see uh, how it goes the next game because obviously they got a big game against Boston that we'll get into later. So it'll be curious to keep an eye on how much, uh, how many minutes Depot gets. Maybe Spolster saw how bad they started playing, adding the new guys. So maybe he's just trying to go back to the rotation that worked for them for so much of this year. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think it's a matter of Victor Oladipo being out for so long and trying to get his legs back under him and incorporate him into the lineup. It doesn't seem to be working. I mean, the past four games have all been losses and it's hard to blame that solely on Victor Oladipo, but even Markeith Morris too, a majority of the season, he wasn't here. And now you try to incorporate him back into a lineup that has had success. You've had people in, you've had people out and you were able to still manage to get the first seed. So the fact is, is that if something like this is working, there's really not too much in my mind that I would do to change it. So of course you want to get Oladipo and Morris, their minutes, they're pretty decent players. I mean, Oladipo was a fantastic player back in Orlando and Indiana and Morris did provide some great minutes for you guys um, over the past couple of seasons. But I think that the fact of the matter is uh, when they haven't been playing and you have players who've been playing with you night in and night out that they know the formula to win, to get to the number one seed, you got to keep those guys in. I think that, it would be a liability to have them out there on the floor for extended periods of time over the people that have been with you the entire season. Right. And Anthony, do you have anything more you want to add to this? Uh, I mean, Christian hit the nail right in the coffin with that. Uh, obviously when you've had such a great year being in the number one seed at the time, they were over 20 games over 500 to add a couple different guys in that late in the season. Maybe it's just not the best idea because you don't exactly have enough time to get these guys readjusted into the lineup. You know, you don't want to be slumping going into the playoffs. You want to make sure you're in tip top and get all the, the kinks worked out instead of adding new guys in. So that's basically all I got to say. So um, he pretty much added everything. Right. You know, overall, I mean, so quick thing I want to talk about is Jimmy taking more threes. I mean, I don't know. The thing for me is like, I feel like if he could just simply hit a couple of them to the point where maybe he's like at least a 33% three-point shooter come playoff time. Like, I'd be all for it, you know? So, I don't know. So, I'm not completely opposed to it, you know, the idea of him just simply wanting to try taking a couple threes. Obviously, he went and made a few, so which was what got his confidence going. And, you know, we don't know if this is going to be the same Jimmy in these upcoming games, but... You know, if he can just some way, somehow increase that three-point percentage to at least something like 33%, that's a huge win for us. And regarding, like, Victor Oladipo, one thing that I want to say is it's hard because I really wanted him to come back this year and bowl out. But one thing that, you know, I was a bit skeptical about was the idea of him coming back in March, you know, like it seems like so late in the season with the playoffs, literally like about a month away for him to come back by then, you know, there was a lot. I, I, I didn't know what to think about it. I assumed that if the heat were just going to wait all the way till then, they probably had a good idea in mind regarding what they would see from Victor so I didn't question it too much. But obviously, you know, you see that Victor has not been able to contribute as much as you'd hope, which is why the Heat probably might pull the plug on Vic for the season. And, you know, it sucks to see it. But, you know, hopefully we can get things going for him next season, hopefully get him more minutes. 
And, you know, we just got to go from there. Because at the end of the day, we want to see this team win. And, you know, if we want to increase the Heat's chances of succeeding this year, you know, that unfortunately has to involve not giving Vic as much minutes as we originally thought he'd get with this team. But, you know, that's basically all that there is to talk about when you look back at this past game. You know, the next thing that I want to talk about with you guys is this losing streak, because although it's over, I feel like we have to talk about it because last week was tough. You know, the Heat lost to a shorthanded Sixers and Warriors team while also blowing a 17-point lead in the fourth quarter to a trash Knicks team as well, while wrapping it up with a blowout loss against the Nets. Now, it also didn't help that there was the whole fight, and we're not going to get into detail about it because at the end of the day, you know, you never want to see a fight happen, but you know, with the heat, we know how intense some of these practices can get and stuff. Like, they do this, you know, behind the scenes and everything. And it's probably not just Jimmy. We probably see it with other players as well. Like, I just don't feel the need to go too detailed into it. You know, we just simply saw one of those intense practices, you know, come into a game. You know, seeing all that take place. So, like I said, we're not going to go too deep into all that. But basically, watching all of that unfold, you know, these past few losses, like, how do you guys feel when looking back at last week? And how much does it concern you as we get ready for the postseason? Because, yeah, we beat the the, um, Kings, but, you know, they're a team that's going to be out of playoff contention very soon. Like, Like, what's on your mind when you think about last week? Like, you're up first, Christian. Doesn't feel good. It really doesn't feel right to watch such a great team at almost full strength lose to these shorthanded teams. And I know we joked about it last podcast, like, Oh, when an opposing team has their stars out, you know, Miami will find a way to lose, but they'll be able to guard the stars better. But I do think that there is concern there that the fact that the Warriors team missing Steph Curry, uh, you know, Clay Thompson, that they really couldn't get it done. Draymond wasn't even playing either. Uh, and then against the Sixers team, you didn't have Embiid, uh, didn't have Harden. So it was just a really, really tough two losses for them against teams that are, albeit they're contenders, they're deeper teams. So they do have role players that can step up, but you're, you're losing to these teams that don't have their main stars. So it's, it's almost a paradox to me. And then they go along and lose to the Knicks who are way out of the playoff picture right now. They're out of the play So that's really, really just a tough loss. And then going home and losing to Brooklyn by such a large amount. I mean, I think the, the margin was close to 30 by the uh, end of the third quarter. So that's just not what you need to see if you're a Miami Heat team heading into the postseason. So I think that my main concern here would be that you're sort of, you know, like skidding across the finish line. Uh, the best time for a team to get hot is like what Boston's doing right now. And they're having their win streaks and they're winning, you know, seven out of eight games, you know, eight out of 10 games towards the end of the season, because towards the end of the season is the closest basketball you're going to be playing to the postseason. So that's where my concern lies. But as far as Miami being able to get it done in the postseason, I have no doubt that this team that's gotten to the first seed will have any issues taking care of matchups in the playoffs. I think that the Miami Heat know how to elevate their play in the playoffs. Spolstra is nowhere near a rookie as far as it comes to playoff basketball. So I don't think that there's too much concern there, but the fact of the matter is Miami needs to learn 
how to take teams that have their stars out more seriously or just actually generate a level of urgency when you're playing these teams because each game matters. I mean, you know, a couple of days ago, they were out of the first seed. Boston loses a game. They fall three seeds. Now they're in the first seed. You don't want Miami to have an unfavorable matchup in the first round that could really put a damper on their playoff run. Right. And Anthony, how about you? Well, Christian brings up some good points. All right. But I'm going to speak on the other side of that. And, and first of all, too, Joel, you said now that the losing streak is over. Uh, I mean, technically the streak is over, but I don't want to quite say they're out of their slump yet. Obviously, we have to see how they play in their next game for me to feel really good about this team. But I just want to speak on, you know, the, um, the shorthanded losses, losing to teams without their stars. If this is the NBA. That type of stuff happens when teams have their star players out, guys step up. That's been happening for all of time. And just as 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 many losses as the Heat have this year to teams missing their stars, we have just as many wins with us missing our stars. So that's just sports. And at the end of the day, that all kind of evens out. And as far as being worried about that, I would actually probably take the opposite approach as Christian, because those aren't the teams we're playing in the playoffs. So why would I be concerned that we can't beat teams without star players when those are not who we're facing in the, in the playoffs? We're not facing the Knicks in the playoffs. As of just yesterday, the Brooklyn Nets wouldn't, aren't even in the playoffs. They were the number nine seed before Charlotte lost. So losing to these bad teams and playing down to our competition, that's not of concern to me because we're not going to play down to the competition in the playoffs. Everybody tries 100% in the playoffs. So that specifically isn't really a concern to me. Going on to the Boston topic, is Christian said Boston's getting hot at the right time. I kind of disagree with that too. Boston put themselves in such a hole, and I think they are on. I think they've won like twenty nine of thirty four or something like that. So that's been going on for the last two to three months. So they've been, you know, they've dug themselves in such a hole. They've had to play so hard and so well for so long. They could be burnt out come playoff time. It's not like they're getting hot all of a sudden, you know, gearing up going to the playoffs. No. They got to this point because they were so far down. They they spent a long, long time working the way all the way all the way back up as a team from Miami who's still been kind of cruising. Star players been out, been missing in, and they've still been able to maintain relatively good position. Not to mention, there's still two weeks before the playoffs. People are saying, oh, Miami's slumping at the wrong time. I mean, are they? Because if we win the next seven games that we have left, we'll be on an eight-game win streak. Everybody's going to feel great about our chances. So if that's the case, you could argue that Miami got their the perfect time because they still got two weeks, uh, you know, to fix everything and get, you know, uh, like in their perfect conditioning right before the playoffs, opposed to peaking too early, like a team like Boston. That's actually a concern that I had about Miami because we had that uh, week plan, all the gauntlets in the East, and we had beat everybody except that Milwaukee game, which we blew. I was starting to get worried that we peaked too early. So part of, you know, going into a slum and seeing what your issues are and being able to address them still two weeks prior to the playoffs, I think that can actually work to Miami's benefit. Now, the concern comes that from the fact that they do have some pretty glaring issues, primarily their late game execution. That's kind of been a thing all year. They're one in eight in overtime games, the one win coming against Charlotte. So that's kind of my, my biggest issue with them is that they have to fix that. And aside from that, it was just a lot of guys getting cold at the same time. Max Struess has shot very poor over the last two weeks. We all know about P.J. Tucker's struggles. Before Gabe Vincent got hurt, he couldn't hit a shot anymore. So a lot of guys getting cold at the same time also contributed to that. But at the end of the day, it's a long season. Uh, as Pat Riley would say, everybody's got to get a grip. You got to stay together if you got the guts. Don't just get the first door run out of it. 
because all teams go through slumps. I actually just posted a video on my YouTube channel two days ago. Y'all could check it out if you search Anthony DiNardo. I basically uh, went into detail on all, this, all the slumps and losing skids that every contender this year has gone through, as well as all the previous championship heat teams. In 2020, when we went to the finals in the bubble, they had two stretches where they lost seven of nine. That's worse than what we've done now. In 2014, when we went to the finals, they had a bad five-game losing streak. In 2013, the year we lost 20 or the year we won 27 games in a row, we had a very bad four-game losing streak. And that's just what we went through just, you know, last week with this heat team. So all that to say, the season's a long roller coaster, and they got two weeks to prove themselves and fix these issues. And I'm glad it's happening now as opposed to the playoffs. So what do you guys got for me? Well, I think that. You're you're right. You did actually make some really good points. I agree that like if you guys had your slump just now and you do end up winning the rest of the games for the season, it does look good. I mean, you guys have a pretty easy layup going into the postseason. You guys have Charlotte, Atlanta, and then Orlando to finish off the season. So you should at least hopefully have a, a win to end the season versus Orlando. But uh, I think that you know, it's still concerning to the fact that, yeah, you guys beat teams when they had their stars and you guys did it. And it goes back and forth like that, but it's, it's just like a mentality thing too. It was like you guys trying to figure it out. And I know you don't want to bring up the little um, skirmish that happened on the sideline between Spo and UD and Jimmy. But I think that that was a positive thing because when things go wrong and people aren't saying anything and they have their heads buried in their towels, almost like the Los Angeles Lakers. They've been a dumpster fire since the start of the season, pretty much. Um, that's pretty much like giving up, but you guys have the fire in you. I mean, Miami heat to just rival each other. You guys have different philosophies and you're trying to make sure that you create the best winning product out there on the floor. So when I saw that, I was like, okay, so these guys are for real. Like this is a real thing that's happening. You guys are, fighting for what seems to be the, the right way to win and everyone just you want the same end goal to win so I think as far as the losing streak it it was something that is more beneficial than not because you have that frustration get out you have uh you kind of know what it le- it's like to lose especially games that you don't feel that you should lose and then at a certain point you're saying okay well we got this win versus Sacramento we have the rest of the season and now we can kind of just play into the playoffs having gotten that past you know you had that big blowout and all of a sudden you're ready to face that playoff competition well uh i mean first of all great great points again uh the one thing i do want to add too because i agree with your point about the whole scuffle against golden state i'm with you uh it seemed like heat nation was 50 50 on that some people were freaking out people understand you know that this team is brothers and what do you do with your brothers you fight with them plus we know jimmy likes the type of person that if you have something to say, say it to his face. And Udonis has him, Eric Spolster very clearly said it to his face. Uh, so I agree with everything you said on that. So the one question I had is, though, uh, if if uh, Jimmy and UD was to get into a fight, who do you all got your money on? Because I'm not going to lie, I'd probably say UD. Oh, that's tough. I mean, um, I'd pick UD against anybody in the league except for maybe Steven Adams. But I'm no, just curious. No, 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 no. Jimmy, okay, I think Jimmy's about it. I think Jimmy's always been about it. 100%. Um, UD, though, I think... He got that grown man strength, man. That dude, grown man strength. Are we going to sit here and pretend like Jimmy ain't a grown man, though? Like I know you are. You're right. Uh, I mean... <laughs> I think Jimmy Grown, but at the end of the day, you know, I don't think that they would even like want to fight each other. No, you no, know? no. I think it's one of those things you get face to face. Someone's going to hit some, like when MJ gave Steve Kerr that black guy, you know, someone's going to hit someone. Mm-hmm. They realize that they, they took it too far. 
But um, all things considered, oh, I hate even thinking about this. Isn't Jimmy a black belt though? That's James Johnson. Oh, that's James, James Johnson. Jr. No, no, Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy has some karate uh, experience though, right? He could have. He could have two black belts. I'm still picking UD. All right, but like, let's okay. let's not go too deep into this, especially because we do got more to talk hey, about. Hey, Jimmy, if you're watching this, just know. Uh, Oh, never mind. I hope you're not watching this because you go. You, never mind. Okay, go ahead, <laughs> yeah, Jimmy. <about> it. <laughs> <laughs> so, go ahead. I so now you know. Overall, I, I'm not really too concerned about it. I think we could just simply turn everything around this week. You know, we'll be able to do good. Like, you know, I find it so funny though that last week, you know, Miami was having a terrible week, but you then look at the Dolphins and the Canes, you know, the Canes made the Elite Eight for the first time ever, and then you got the Dolphins who went and got Tyree Kill, like, they were having their best weeks yet, and then you had the Heat who was struggling, so I think Miami just had to sacrifice just for those two teams to succeed, so now that those two teams were able to get what they needed. Miami could just head into this week and just bowl out. You know, hopefully that's the case. So we'll see what happens there. But let's see. Moving forward, I now think it's time that we talk about this playoff picture for Miami because it's constantly changing for us. You know, I was we were so confident, I think the last pod that the Heat were gonna stay the one seed and that maybe all the other seeds would remain the way how it is, but not, nah, it keeps changing. And all we know so far is that if the playoffs were, I mean, if the regular season was to end today, Miami would have to play either one of the four teams that are in seed seven and 10, while having to face the winner of Celtics and Bulls in the second round. Seeing the way how the current playoff picture looks, like, are you guys fine with the position that the Heat is in right now? Or do you guys think that things could be better for us? Like, what's your take, Anthony? Well, I mean, you you started off by saying if we were to stay where we're at now, that alone leaves an, you know a possibility of four different play. The teams in the plane is obviously the Cavs, Brooklyn, Charlotte, and Atlanta. If we was to drop to two, then we would either play the Cavs or Brooklyn. But if we were to drop to three, Chicago. If we were to drop to four, we could play Toronto. So can you hear me? It says my connection is unstable. Yeah, no, we're here. Also, okay, I think okay. that if you're three is Toronto, if you're four, it's Chicago. You're, you're right. You're right. I did. I did mess that up here. Uh, so obviously, it almost seems as of right now, we could almost play, you know, anybody, which is this kind of scary part because it, it'll kind of make us hard to kind of game plan. And we won't really know until the time comes because we are playing a playing team. So maybe that's a bit of a disadvantage. While other teams that are in the three through six spot can prepare for their matchup. We kind of have to wait and see how the plan turns out especially being the number one seed, because you have to wait for both rounds of the plan to, to determine. But, um, I mean, we've gotten into this before. There's a lot of good teams in the East. I don't think there's any pushovers in the top 10. Originally, I was pretty scared of Cleveland, but obviously they got a lot of injuries now that'll make that, you know, maybe a little bit of an easier matchup. Obviously, everybody likes to talk about Brooklyn, but my thoughts on them have been well-documented. That would be who I want to play in the first round match- matchup, partly because I don't think they could beat us, and two, just because I want to shut everybody up. Uh, but Boston would be the second round matchup. Now, if you would ask me two weeks ago, that would have scared me. But now that they lost Robert Williams, it remains to be seen how they're, how good they're going to be without him. Cause that's a major, major loss. Uh, but there's no pushovers, man. So all these people talking about tanking or angling for position to play, like who, who really do you want to play? Because I, I don't know who I'd, I'd prefer to be honest with you. Right. And what's on your mind, Christian? Well, there are two main things that I've been thinking about. 
number one, the number one through four seed, the 76ers, Bucks, and Celtics are each one game behind Miami. So if we see a one to two game slip in these last six games for Miami, there could be some definite mix-ups here. So that's kind of the volatility of the playoff picture for Miami right now is we don't know if Miami is going to be retaining the one seed and playing uh, one of the seven through 10, the two seed. And again, they have the possibility or if they can potentially drop to the three or four seed. And now all of a sudden they have a matchup against the Raptors or the Bulls. Uh, I think that looking at Miami's schedule to finish out the season, there's only six games left. The next one is against the Celtics. That'll probably be the most difficult matchup, even though they're missing Robert Williams. The Celtics are still a very tough team with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. And then you guys should be able to beat the Bulls, uh, the Raptors. I can see you guys beating. And then, of course, we talked about the last three matchups at the end of the season. Hornets, Hawks, Magic. I see those as wins for you as well. So I don't really think that there's too much turnover in the fact that Miami will retain the number one seed. Uh, I can see Miami beating every team they have left on their schedule. And even if they win, you know, five out of six, there's still a really good chance that they're going to keep that one seed. As far as who they're going to see in the first round, I think it's going to be um, a decently tough matchup. I agree with Anthony. None of these top 10 teams are really pushovers. Um, Even the Hawks, I think they're starting to figure it out. Uh, as of late, so they wouldn't be um, the best first round matchup for Miami. But at the same time, they're still a one seed. They still have two legit bruiser stars in Jimmy and Bam, Kyle Lowry to facilitate Tyler Hero as the sixth man, and the shooting provided by Vincent, Struess, Duncan. Uh, you guys are definitely a juggernaut. So whoever does have that eighth seed matchup, I think it's going to be really dangerous. And I think I just want to talk about Anthony. Did you, did you just call me out when you said I want to shut everyone up when you're talking about the Brooklyn Nets and Miami beating them? Cause uh, I think we might've just played recently and um, there was like a little bit of conflict there. I think Brooklyn won. I don't remember the score though. You want to, yeah, well, I, I think, I think it said that we're up three to one in the season series. Oh yeah, that's right. But like the most recent games, the most accurate game. Cause you know, we have our players, you have your players and a, a have fun in the playing. I, we will, we will. <laughs> yeah, no, but I honestly, you know, I, I enjoy Miami. I just don't want to see a Miami Brooklyn matchup like first round. Cause while it would be really entertaining, I think that's going to be bad for both teams because they're going to have to each give a lot and it's going to gas them for the following rounds of the playoffs. Uh, whoever does end up winning. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, overall, it's going to be interesting to see what happens for the heat, the time, the minute playoffs come. Now, one thing that I do want to hit on is what you said, Anthony, that, that you'd want to, you'd be down with playing Brooklyn in the first round. Like, honestly, I'm cool with playing any team um, in the East. The only thing is, is that, like, for a first-round matchup, it would just simply be cool if Miami could take it easy because, you know, like, when you look at the current playoff picture, you know, like, Miami would have to play, like, let's say the Heat do end up playing the Nets, you know, you play the Nets in the first round, and then we don't know exactly what's going to be Boston's situation with Robert Williams being out, but still, you know, you'd have to play them in the second round unless something happens, you know, in these next few games where maybe they drop a few games, who knows. And then after that, you know, you would then have to play either Milwaukee 
or you know what, Philly, I'm not too scared of, you know, mainly Milwaukee, you know, so overall, I mean, I think the first round, it would be nice if Miami could just take on a simple team. If it could be someone like Cleveland, I'd be all for it and then take on those tough teams after that. So, yeah, I'm not I'm, I'm not necessarily saying that I'm afraid of Brooklyn, but, you know, for that first round series, it would just be extremely convenient if it could be a team where it could be an easy out against because, while, you know, while I do think that he could beat the Nets, you know, it's not going to be an easy series at the same time. So overall, just give me Cleveland and let's just try to end that series in four, maybe five games. But, you know, this next topic, you know, is sponsored by Heat Muse. Uh, make sure to follow Heat Muse on Twitter. Um, their handle is HeatMuse. Um, they got all Miami Heat stats that you might be interested in. And they presented us a very intriguing stat to talk about. And that's how the Miami Heat are actually 12-7 and seven when BAM averages less than three assists in those games. In 12 of those games, he has shot the ball 14 or more times. And we have a record of 8-3 and three when BAM shoots 14 times and records less than three assists. With that all being said, like, what do you guys make of this stat? Like, give us your thoughts, Christian. So I just love how stats companies will come out with some certain stats. Like if someone does this and they do this and they do that and then, oh, look, the heat win. But I think that this has been a theme echoed on the podcast for as long as I've been here is that BAM needs to shoot more. And it's just right here in the stats. I just want to focus on the eight and three when BAM shoots 14 plus times and records less than three assists. Uh, I think assists contribute to winning. So I don't think the fact that he has less than three assists really makes that much of a difference in the actual winning. I think the fact that he's shooting 14 plus times is way more important. We've been saying on this podcast that Bam, oh, he only took eight shots. He only took nine shots, but he made six or seven of them. Bam is really efficient. He takes great shots. And when Bam scores more, the Heat tend to win. It's not rocket science. Tyler Hero, to me, is the most important scoring component of Miami. But the second most important is Bam. When Bam shoots his shots and he's just making buckets, it's way easier for Miami to win because it pretty much presents that interior threat and it opens up the outside for shooting. As I said earlier in the podcast, the key is three for Miami. When Miami has great shooting nights from the three-point line, they put a lot of shooters out there, they're going to win a lot more games than if you know you have Jimmy shooting 0-5 and other people not really making three-point shots. So I like this stat. I think it's a very accurate reflection of Miami's season when Bam's on the floor. And it just goes again to show that we do need Bam to shoot more. It's just more evidence for Bam to take a more authoritative role in the offense. Right. How about you, Anthony? Yeah, I mean, again, he he said it perfectly. We've been talking for years now how aggressive Bam is best, Bam. Listen, Bam at a bio is a mismatch nightmare for 99% of the league. As you hear all the time, the cliche, he's too big for the, the little guys to guard him, and he's too quick for the big guys to guard him. He's a mismatch nightmare, and it seems like sometimes he, he realizes it, and then other times he just completely forgets, which is very flush, uh, frustrating, not even to mention the three-point shooting, which he never wants to attempt, even though his form is, is gorgeous. It's not like Jimmy's. This is beautiful, full extension, great arc on the ball. That's why it makes it frustrating he doesn't want to shoot. But regardless, he's a mismatch nightmare. It's frustrating when he doesn't realize it. To start the year, or in the preseason, actually, 
Pat Riley said that he thinks Bam could be a flat-out scorer. Bam said he wants to be a shooter this year, and we haven't really saw that. He's only averaging 0.4 more points this year than he was last year, so it's a marginal improvement, but I was really hoping to see him get over the 20 points per game. But, of course, I'm not going to judge his season based off PPG because I, I think he's had a phenomenal season. He should be runaway defensive player of the year if you actually watch him night in and night out, which I know the voters don't do. They just go for the names like Draymond Green or Rudy Gobert, who gets played off the floor in the playoffs. So the fact that he can even win defensive player of the year is ridiculous to me, but I could go on for hours about that. But uh, again, aggressive Bam is best Bam. Even going back to the assist thing, even if he has a ton of assists, to me, that means since he's he's not hiding away from the ball, he won't ball in his hands he's making plays sometimes it's dribble handoffs and that he has like his back to the basket like 20 feet away which I don't like but sometimes it's him actually playing point guard like in yesterday's game versus the Kings he had a beautiful near half court bounce pass to a cutting Tyler Hero and then Tyler got stripped and, and ruined the highlight but still that's Bam being aggressive the rebound he brought the ball up the court he didn't pass it so I just think overall numbers for Bam, whether it's shot attempts or assists, all that can lead to aggressiveness. I even like to look more at free throw attempts because if his shot or attempts are down, a lot of it could be because he was attacking the basket and he got fouled. So obviously those aren't going at shot attempts. Uh, I'd love to see him get, you know, seven to 10 free throw attempts a game, or at least do it more often than he, than he has. I actually just looked it up. He only has, I think it was like eight games this year with at least double digit free throw attempts. Uh, I'd love to see what someone like Joel Embiid is, but I'd imagine it's a lot more than that. Obviously, different different type of players still, but for me, that seeing those free throw numbers, those shot attempts, those assists, those are all signs of aggressiveness. So it's not it's not a you know shocking to me to see that when he does have higher amounts in those numbers, they have a winning record. So I mean, I I like to see it. It's a pretty good stat. Right, I love the stat too. You know, it just shows how great Bam really is to this team, and you know. I would love to see him shoot more. You know, it's funny because then you have guys like Heat Legends and Chris Bosh. And, you know, he even said it himself that he always tells Bam to shoot more. That, you know, if he was in his shoes, he would do it a lot more often. And, you know, that would be a dream come true if we were to see Bam shoot more, especially from behind the arc, you know. But overall, you know, he's just had a great season and you just love to see it. And I honestly wonder, like, how great our record would have really been had it not been for him missing as much games as he missed. And, you know, like, another thing that you said, Anthony, is that he would have probably been the runaway winner for Defensive Player of the Year had it not been for missing that much games with that thumb injury of his. So, like, overall, you know, I think... Bam has just been amazing, and, you know, he's going to be a key part for the Heat come playoff time. So, you know, overall, let's just hope he keeps it going because, honestly, if it wasn't for that injury in the finals a couple of seasons ago, like, who knows what would have happened? You know, his injury in Gorons, like, we probably would have had a fourth trophy by now. But, you know, let's not go too deep into that. Anyways, we talked so much on today's episode that before we close it out, we need to talk about this upcoming game for the Heat as they'll be playing the Celtics. The Celtics are top four in the Eastern Conference, and they have been a thorn to the Heat in the last two matchups against them. However, the Celtics will will be shorthanded, as it was announced not too long ago that Robert Williams would be out indefinitely with a torn meniscus and will not be reevaluated until a few weeks from now. 
bearing all of this in mind, what's everyone's expectations for this game? And do you guys see the Heat getting the win? Uh, tell us your take, Anthony. Robert Williams uh, has been a big reason for their success of late. Uh, supposedly, he is also in the running for defense player of the year. I haven't watched him en- enough to say that opinion myself, but I've heard from people who do watch a lot. Apparently, he's been balling. Apparently, he's a very good shot blogger. He's very good rotating on defense. And obviously, the Boston Celtics have statistically the greatest defense in the league. So it's very clear that Robert Williams was a big part of that. Obviously, first and foremost, I hope he's okay. I've heard reports he could miss a few weeks, which was a little weird to me because I heard a torn meniscus. I never heard of that being a a few weeks type of injury. Uh, But obviously, just hope he's okay. But the fact that he will be out, obviously, I I like our chances just because of that, whether in the next game or a potential playoff matchup. But I liked it even more when I realized that they have Daniel Tice's bum self back because we all know Bam at Abio is his daddy. so I didn't even know that they got him back. I thought he was on Houston or something. So when I at the other day, I said, that's going to be light work, man. Uh, so I'm going to say heat by 27 points. I, I won't get I won't Damn. Get because I feel like whenever we're too confident, you know, we do end up losing. You know, Yo, you remember- saw game six in 2020. You saw how Bam feasted on him. Come on, man. Yeah, I mean, I, I know Bam should be feasting this game. That's for sure. But I don't want to be too confident now because we know the Heat's track history when it comes to playing against short-handed teams, you know? So, but yeah, um, Christian, how about you, though? Wow, that's a lot of points. I know Williams is important, but I didn't it's think Daniel was... Tice, though. I, it's, yeah, it's, it's Daniel, Daniel Tice, Tice but... Give the Bro. Celtics some credit. If Tatum and Brown don't play, I'll give you those numbers. But geez, no, that, that's that's a lot to me. But no, I, I do see this as a win uh, for Miami. Just Robert Williams not playing. That's a huge blow to Boston. And I mean, everything you said, Anthony, I, I pretty much have to echo that. I couldn't have said it too much better myself. But the fact is, he's been such a great player for Boston this season. And he's just below all-star level for me. Like he's a star center. And he's what Boston has been looking for. They've been needing a man in the middle for a very long time. So the fact that he's not playing, even if Tatum and Brown are playing, it's going to be a difficult game for Boston to manage. And I think Boston, uh, after this win streak, they're going to have to learn to manage without Williams for the next couple of weeks. I mean, again, I haven't heard of a meniscus tear that lasted only a couple of weeks. I think that there's a little bit more to it. Maybe they're trying to calm down the fans first, but I don't think Boston's going to fare too well uh, the rest of the season. Tatum and Brown are going to carry, but without that help in the middle, it's going to be more difficult for Boston to win games. So I am going to give this game to Miami, and I'm going to say they'll probably win it by about eight or nine points because I think Tatum and Brown are going to keep it competitive. But towards the end of the game, the just the shooting of Miami, it's just they're not going to be able to be matched by Boston. Boston's defense is what's going to keep him in the game. But without Williams in the middle, it's definitely a big liability to have Tice fill that role. Yeah, I think that they drafted Robert Williams. Let me see up here. They drafted him 27th back in 2018. And at the time, they had still needed to center back them too. So I remember thinking that that is the potential to be a great pickup because supposedly he was a lottery round talent. But I remember hearing he had like a lot of motor issues, which is why he kind of fell in, in the draft. So the fact that they were able to get a player that great that late in the draft, you can see it, it's setting them up now, you know, four or five years down the line to be a potential contender in the uh, in the playoffs. So he's, he's a good player. I, I feel bad for him. I hope he gets back soon. 
Yeah, you know, overall, like, you know, to sum up what you guys said, you know, I also see the Heat winning by that much. I don't know um, what you said, Anthony, but, um, you know, basically what you guys said, like, I, I expect the Heat win. Um, how much? I'm not sure. But, you know, with Robert Williams out, that is going to be huge. And I don't know how long he'll be out either. You know, like you guys said, I was pretty surprised when they said that it would only be like a few weeks. You know, obviously they got to reevaluate him come then. But, you know, we'll see what happens there. And with him being out, you know, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, exactly how much of a threat they're going to be. You know, as you guys give your predictions about... Celtics probably not going to be that good for the rest of the season, not having that defensive boost in him. You know, it's going to be tough for them. And, you know, we'll see if they'll be able to manage without Robert Williams. So for me personally, I have the Heat winning this, like I said before, especially because I think now that they finally ended that losing streak against Sacramento, they're going to use this momentum to keep it going. So you know, overall, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat do pick up the win. If anything, I think it might be a bit of a close game because we all know that shorthanded teams are the worst teams for the Heat to face. So if anything, it might be a close game. If not, you know, maybe by 10 points, if it does end up being somewhat of a blowout. So that's my prediction for that. But, you know, overall, You know, we talked so much on today's episode that before we close it out, we just want to make sure that you guys follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HVTW Podcast while checking out our website at HVTWpodcast.wordpress.com as their article recently dropped earlier today. And that's basically it. So, you know, make sure you get access to all your Miami Heat content provided by yours truly. And with that being said, you know, thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Heat versus the World podcast. And we'll see you guys soon with another episode. And just like that, hit my music because we out. Thank you for listening. And we'll see you next time with a brand new episode of the Heat vs. the World Podcast.